Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast and today I'm joined by the amazing Aaron Knightley. Now if you don't know who Aaron is, where have you been? Aaron is pretty much everywhere at the moment on social media and online and of course is the host of the Friday afternoon Zoom sessions that um, they have had some incredible guests on such as Mark Wright from The Apprentice. Um, really, really great, um, valuable content every Friday afternoon and, um, and Aaron is certainly getting a bit of a name for himself because of these. Um, Aaron of course is a professional investor. He has been for many years and we discuss how he got into this, what he invests in um, and you know how he, through networking he really opened the doors to some incredible opportunities for himself and how you can do the same. Um, we also delve into kind of how Aaron educated himself throughout this podcast um, and really opened up the the question of sort of traditional education through courses versus learning on the job and Aaron's take on that is incredibly fascinating. Now I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you do, please do share it on your uh, Instagram stories by taking a snapshot, um, sharing it on your stories, tagging me and Aaron in it and we'll share it and um, it's just because I just want to get as many people to listen to this episode as possible. It's so, so, so valuable. Um, It's the reason I do these podcasts. I genuinely think that the people I get on are incredibly fascinating and I just want as many people to hear it as possible. So please do do that. I'll be very, very grateful. And um, anyway, here is my amazing interview with Aaron Knightley. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast. And today I'm genuinely delighted, actually, um, and I say that every episode, but I am genuinely delighted uh, to be joined by Aaron Knightley of um, Knightley Investment Group. Um, Aaron, how are you doing today? Hi, Sam. Yeah, very well, thank you. And, and again, thanks for having me on. Looking no. forward to it and tucking in some questions. Yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, but no, look, I know, Aaron, at the moment, you, I can't seem to move to see amazing stuff that you're putting out, especially on Instagram. Um, but for those, those people that don't know who you are or haven't come across you yet, um, do you want to just give us a bit of a, a backstory of who Aaron Knightley is and what you're up to now? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so some summary, um, background in steel construction logistics, um, eventually moved into, so we're talking about sort of six, seven years ago, moved into uh, development, very early stage, uh, single dwelling, learning on the job, um, knew that had entrepreneurial uh, traits, you know, uh, desire within me that wanted to do something different than uh, full-time employment. I was given certain opportunities when I was uh, a lot younger to go in with someone who was already established. I managed to fast track my way kind of learning um, on certain jobs that I was was given a chance to be involved in and financially as well. And then jumped straight into full-fledged educational into property and, 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 well, I'd say more property and, and business learning on the side. Fast forward a few years, I end up um, sort of sidetracking more into financials where I began learning a lot about uh, finances, raising uh, junior equity, um, and then being introduced to certain individuals who were key at the time because then they fast tracked who I was then introduced to um, down the line to, to what we do today. And it's really, I've gone from a sort of a full-time employment to then being structured into development, uh, learning very much about property, thinking that that was going to be my long-term goal, property and development. That's where I thought I wanted to go. Uh, and then, yeah, really learned that although mathematics certainly isn't, um, isn't certainly that I get on with, um, you know, give me a calculator, I'm great. But 
uh, on its own. No, but very much in the financials and numbers ended up getting on very well. So ended up going into more financial sort of investment side of things and just, just through people that I'd met and then working with certain investment offices, I realized that actually, one, I really enjoy it, two, um, very rewarding, three, I seem to be pretty good at it, and four, I can see a long-term goal. So really, I, I see my, my future continuing with investments, uh, now making passive investments, uh, more as an armchair now, don't tend to be actively involved in anything that we invest in. And here we are today. So, and I probably will probably dive into where it's going and what I do and so forth, so forth. So, yeah. Yeah, there's, quick overview. There's so many things in there that I've I've written down on my on my little pad of sort of tangents that I could I could go into. So I need to play the role of host really well now and uh, and and construct something very quickly as to as to where I'm going to go with a lot of that stuff. Um, but there's 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 one thing in there that I thought was really interesting, and that was that. You mentioned obviously early doors, it was kind of learning on the job, but then you also mentioned kind of the education side. Um, and this seems to be a bit of a running theme about talking a little bit about property education in particular or investment education. I'm sure I'm not alone. Uh, anyone listening have probably been bombarded with Forex training and, and whatnot on, on LinkedIn, Instagram and that sort of stuff. But what you've obviously had a bit of a taste of both. Um, what do you think that your success has been down to actually doing both? Or do you think if you went back in time and had a chat with yourself, say six years ago, you'd steer yourself more in one direction over another? So my, my biggest thing and my biggest hold up with education is that academically, I'm no good. And I say I'm no good. It's not that, you know, um, I, I can't do anything within a classroom. I could, but it wasn't my wasn't my strength. You know, I had no interest when I was at school. Um, just had no interest. I was just all about athletics, sports. Um, you know, did did uh, many years of boxing when I was younger, and that that was my interest in football. Um, so I had no interest in a classroom, but I knew that I liked learning on on the job. And then you know, you don't really learn. I don't think you really start making steps, you know, until you're 16 plus anyway. So, you know, uh, we all kind of know that school is very much, you know, it'd be better if you went later on in life. But so self-education was, was key for me when I knew that there was more to life than going down a route of the typical employment. And that's obviously a big subject, you know, everyone touches on that. But that when I got a taste of education through going to a property event, so really I'd say the spark was I did attend early property events because because I was going down the route and where I thought my long-term plan was through development. Well, you know, there's not a development network. There's just property. So you kind of start that. You know, that's that's very much a, a base for, for anyone getting into development or property. Um, so I went there and then I just knew that, there was a real spark about learning and listening to those that were doing it or were going through it. And I thought, yeah, I like this. Um, but then very quickly you learn about all the fees that they want, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like I say, there are some companies out there that I'm sure are doing very well and have, I'm sure all of them have got proven, uh, uh, you know, candidates who have gone through and they've done very well. I don't doubt that. And there are there, they are there. But for me to outlay such big amounts when, with time and effort and what may take me a little bit longer on my own because you're trying to find your own resources. Well, to me, that's worth it for the money that, uh, 
you know, if you keep that vibe, but you can learn it over time, then you've still got that pot of money to then begin yourself. So that's really the way that I saw it. And when I started educating myself, I, I wasn't very much, a, I'll do one hour a day. I mean, I became obsessed with it almost, you know, was constantly reading, was constantly learning. And then when I found out about Audible, I mean, that was just, you've, you've heard it as well. I, I think it's on a lot of my calls, Audible, uh, but you know, even when Mark Wright said it, and it's good to hear it from Mark Wright, was uh, two things was, I can't remember the, the other thing that he mentioned, but it was uh, a mentor on an Audible. And Audible is just the biggest game changer. I mean, you can just listen to it wherever. So I've not, st I listen to Audible, I'd say minimum two hours every single day. And I've done that for the last six years. You know, um, I've got a huge rack up of, of a library and, and hours and days that I've listened to, nearly a month in listening. And it's paid dividends. So, yeah, I'm a really big believer in the time and effort. And you, you put it in. You, you learn everything yourself. Um, but I haven't really had a mentor as such that I've ever paid. But I'm, luckily in, I'm lucky enough that there are individuals within my life that are doing very well um, that I can pick up a phone and say, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. And they can, you know, guide me without going, you know, by the way, Aaron, that's, that's £50 for that that five minute phone call i don't get that so I'm, I'm lucky in that sense so yeah i just i just became obsessed with it really it was just and that might be what differs to other people where they go well actually i need education i don't need education because i've become obsessed about improving myself mm. um and i think that's what makes the difference you either you like it and you tick over and you do an hour a day i didn't i became obsessed by it so I still am to this day. So it's like it's almost like an addiction, isn't it? Education because I I, I get that, I, and I um and I've said this a couple of times before on, on various things I said. So I'll keep it short and sweet for anyone that's heard it before. But um I used to I did a history. Well, I actually did two history degrees. Um, that's how obsessed with research I am. Um, and one of the things that I always struggled with is if I was given like a a six month period of time to write an essay or whatever, I would spend so much of that time researching researching reading 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 and then i'd suddenly get to a point i'd go oh my god i've got like two weeks to write this ridiculously long essay and i'd always wait too long to to take action and it actually had really bad implications on me because um when i actually turned in my dissertation for my master's degree i didn't do very well in it and my you know the, the, my mentor then said you know sam you should have done so much better on this because you know, you, you, you are better. You know, I, I know you. I know what you're capable of doing. And, and yeah. it's just not good enough. I didn't give myself time enough to put the ideas down on paper. And what I, what I sort of learned from that is a couple of things when it comes to education, especially a lot of people obviously I talk to are property investors. Number one, um, you know, realize that there is a time when you just need to take action on the education that you, you get. But also, yeah. and something I think that um, you sort of, I think, probably are a great advocate of and, and a good um, example of is we're all born with a brain and actually there's enough free stuff out there that if you go out there and find it yourself, you can take that information and take the time to comprehend it inside of your own head and you can create your own path and your own course, um, you know, based on that. On, on taking bits yeah. and snippets of information because that's what I did at doing a history degree you basically you write an essay based on reading 20 books of other people's opinions and you use those opinions to formulate your own so and there's so yeah. much free stuff available now isn't there so you know a lot of people could say what's the need for a course well yeah so what I'll do is just as I think of things I'm just going to jot things down that I don't miss but so one thing that my personal opinion the thing we've got caught up with is that 
those who have a following on social media, a big following, um, people are very much drawn to those because of the following. Whereas, so, I, you know, I think we get blinded by who's got the biggest following and who's actually doing it and who's got the right amount of knowledge. And don't get me wrong, there's probably a balance to those who have got a big following. But I think we are naturally, especially the, the younger ones, I think are drawn to the following first and then believing it. Um, so, you know, for example, the way that I look at it is there's so, there's so many resources of individuals who can give free information because the ones who have the big following, don't get me wrong, I'm not, it's not saying that the ones who have a big following, all of them that charge are wrong to charge, but if you have a big following, it does give you a very good position to the go, well, I'll put some money on just based on my following alone mm -hmm. to then interact with me. Whereas... Um, even if you've been on, you know, for those who have been on my calls, you know, some of the guys that I'm bringing in who have got good followings, you know, we, we're not being charged for these calls, you know, whereas pre COVID-19 to organize a call like that, there would actually be a fee. Even if you were to go to the event, you know, there's no different. We're just hosting it over zoom now. So there is free information. And also a good example is I have an individual, I've had some changes in regards to dates that I've had to move back to certain successful individuals who are going to be coming on in the coming weeks but one guy who i have coming on next week who i've had to swap he done a lot of work in the city in the financial uh well experienced in what he does you know he's very well uh honed in on on his you know sectors that he works in and um and and we can gain a lot from him without having to sort of feel that because he has this mass following that we sort of owe financial, you know, a reward to him. Um, so I would always look at it as that if you're looking at someone who's got a huge following and you want to learn from them, nine times out of 10, there's going to be someone who hasn't got the huge following, but likely has more experience, is, but is just not promoting it and is very humble, probably within the shadows that you can go and find it from. And, and again, it's free. And I've, I've kind of done that all the way up until this point that, I've managed to learn from these people. It's like the family offices. I tell you what, you spend a day with a family office who are investing in stocks, uh, you know, property, who are buying land just to sit on, who are backing, um, who are backing big developers, who are investing in uh, agriculture, you know, uh, everything. They invest in everything. You know, you spend a day with them. I tell you, what, you'll learn so much, and they won't turn around to you at the end of the day. And go. By the way, that's that's four hundred pounds for spending the day with me. Um, they're just happy to have someone who's willing to learn, and that's why I like the um, my recent post, the likability factor. Because if someone can look at you and go, "He's a really nice person, really humble, um, hasn't got a chip on his shoulder." There's a little bit of naivety which we like because that shows that there's still that learning curve, and and ultimately we can see a little bit of him in us when we were younger um they'll tell you all day long and i've said that a million times they'll tell you everything you want to learn and then just be specific and value their time don't go in there with a hundred stupid questions before you ever spend time with these people have in your back pocket like 10 questions you'd really want to know and just throughout the time you spend with them just drop them in there and then value their time and then and then leave you know or or finish it with a bit of respect so they think he didn't take the pee um but he was a really nice guy. We'd have him back anytime. So that, that kind of thing. And that's kind of what I've done in order to fast track whilst learning myself. So yeah, it's a, it's a combination. It has paid in dividends. 
Yeah, it's funny actually you mentioning the follower thing um, because, and I told you we'd be going off on tangents, didn't I, Aaron? So <laughs> here we go. Um, That's it. You mentioned you mentioned the following um, scenario, and uh, I t- I, I'm obsessed with, at the moment with with just teaching myself the tiniest intricacies of marketing. You know, I've never had a formal marketing education, um, but I've taught myself social media marketing over the last three years. I teach it now to a select small group of people as well. But I think as a result of that, I always need to be uh, you know, ahead of the game and learning and learning. And so I'm constantly looking at recommendations on books and Audible and all that kind of stuff on marketing books. And I came across one particular one that seemed to be getting some decent reviews on Amazon. And one thing that I always do when it comes to marketing stuff is I go and I check out the author first to see what kind of stuff they're posting on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whether they've got a YouTube channel or not. I always do that. And I came across a book recently and it was actually being promoted by another Instagram account. So I reckon the guy probably what he did was he, you know, paid that person 50 quid to put a few stories out promoting the book, which is, you know, it's a great, actually a great way of, uh, of advertising very, very um, good return on investment usually on those sorts of things. But then I did some, did some diving. The guy who was talking about how to grow a social media following didn't have an Instagram account. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not buying your book. Like, there's no way I'm going to buy your book because you. Yeah. And I couldn't. I couldn't find his company. I couldn't even. Well, I barely found the publisher of the book on on Instagram. You know, um, I did eventually find him on LinkedIn, but he wasn't really doing much. And I was thinking, you know. Even though, yeah. on, on, you know, so it kind of is the, the opposite effect of kind of what you just said is this guy had no followers because he didn't have yeah. accounts. So I thought, yeah. you know, how can you teach me on to do something more than I'm already doing now when I'm doing more than you're yeah. doing? Um, yeah. And I can't remember the name of the guy, which is quite annoying because um, I, I meant to keep track of him to see whether he actually did start um, anything. And I even tried to yeah. fight, track him down so I could just write him a note just to say, look, you've released this book. I'm really interested to find out how you learn this stuff. Um, yeah. When you don't have accounts, not being a dick, just asking, asking that. So um, I'm glad that you yeah. brought up the followers thing because it just sparked that, uh, that memory, yeah. that bit of research in my head. Well, that, that worked, that, so that's on the flip side, isn't it? So mm. in order to promote that side of social media, you need to obviously have that. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I can't remember who it was. So we've got, so after lockdown and we're, we're allowed that little bit more freedom and, and we, it, it eases up that much. Um, there's a photo shoot that I'm a part of, which I'm really looking forward to. It was organized before COVID-19 and there's just a few small brands and some good brands actually who are quite excited to, to work with, which I'm going to tie into everything that we do. And, and just, it's kind of like, I suppose, a bit of a new venture on the side for me. Um, but I was looking for a really good photographer, um, someone who has is is already doing the kind of things that, that I want. And so anyway, I, f- I found someone and uh, they're actually coming with someone that I personally know, so which is good because I've had good feedback and I've seen their stuff. And they've got a really good Instagram and they've got really good photos. But one thing that is interesting is when I was, re- before I came across him and I was looking for a really good photographer is that I was searching up all these local photographers who had a great website but there was no no uh no facebook no instagram there was you know so i'm it's funny because now we're not so bothered about the website and the website was is very was very dated the photos were okay but there was nothing new and uh, and unique about it whereas i wanted to click on see an instagram and see all these amazing photos and then I, so instantly as, I, as soon as i saw there was no social media 
I thought it's not for me because I want someone who's really current um, and proving that they can be really current. So hopefully when we work together, I'll feel like I've got a really good chance of what I'm trying to do uh, to be the best it can. So, yeah, so it, it plays in both ways, doesn't it? But I think it's very much like you'd never find in regards to a lot of investment stuff. It's funny because you would never find a family office promoting on it on any social media. It just wouldn't happen because mm -hmm. they're very much, you know, building wealth very quietly, you know, looking poor on paper as possible, but, uh, you know, essentially very rich um, in assets and, and elsewhere. So, yeah, it's a flip side, isn't it? So... Do you think that's where, where things are just are sort of just headed business-wise? I know you mentioned, obviously, maybe the family office is, is going to be maybe a bit of an anomaly. But just in general, we are heading into a, a period where people are less worried about a website and they're more worried about whether somebody that they want to go and look, you know, work with actually has a presence on social media because that's how they can maybe get to know them a little bit more. And you mentioned earlier on about personality, you know, actually get to know a person behind a brand and 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 make a decision that they want to work with them based on the fact that they're good nice honest people or they resonate with something from their from their, their past or something like that yeah i think so i mean for, for me i relate to people that if i'm looking at a if i was looking at so for someone so one thing let's keep it in education because there's a good good example and i always use it but is when I started out going to all these events, and it wasn't just property, but I was going to different events and so forth. And you're looking at all these uh, so hows on, on to do this and within 12 months or, you know, follow this method at this cost and you could have this as a result and so forth. And don't get me wrong, I think with work applied, you know, commitment to it and discipline, you could probably pull off a lot of it. I just don't like the financial commitment to paying someone um, uh, that amount to then go and do that. But when you hear the initial a lot of the speeches are the same whether it's a business event whether it's a property event or whether it's another event the stories are the same you know we started out in debt you know 150,000 or 200,000 in debt you know um of credit you know but when you look behind the scenes their families were wealthy you know they were rich or you know they they had a you know they had a silver spoon or or a business partner that they came into had all the cash and you know, so it's, it's i like very much one of the guys that will be on um my call which i mentioned to you guys on the group is that he came from nothing and then i'll send you an interview of his po uh, podcast that he was on you know he came from a single mother uh, who brought him up in london for nothing working multiple jobs so i like those stories that you know um because I relate to it on how I, on how we grew up as well. And um, I like those because they're genuine, because then it shows that they'll talk about hard work. They will talk about the reality of it didn't happen overnight, especially this guy who I'm on about in, in my mind at the moment, who's going to be on the call. It took years. Um, he went, he literally went, he talks about how he went from one job to another job, to another job, to another job, you know, and a lot of those, a lot of people would say, what well, you've been going from like what, you've had like 10 jobs, you know, and they would look at that like, what's wrong with you? Well, actually, maybe he's just very entrepreneurial and he hadn't realized yet that he's destined for bigger things. It's just that he can't fit into the company because he is, he's, he's built for more. Mm -hmm. So I like his story and therefore I can relate. And therefore when these people come on, which ties into why I started up the group, 
I love to absorb as much as possible because, um, you know, there's just so much you can take away and, and little tips and tricks on what they've done and things to look out for. And I, the one thing that I do like about self-education is, especially with investment, is I'm not afraid to say that I've lost a lot of money um, because I invested into things that I didn't really know. I didn't really know. I did know about them, but I, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for when things went wrong. I didn't know how it could be recovered or not that I could have played a huge part to change it because it was out of my hands. But if I'd have known the worst case scenario from the beginning, well then perhaps that would have changed my decision from going in. However, from making those mistakes, I will never make those again. So if I'd have had someone who, if I'd have paid to make me avoid that mistake, I'd never have gone through it to make sure that it never happens again. You never feel the pain. Of, of it yourself no and, and and you know and it wasn't it wasn't just me it was my family as well you know because um we, we, we were doing some joint investing at the time so it's my funds it's my family's funds um so there's been a couple of times you know i've had ventures you know i've started we, we we've started up wedding businesses and so forth like that just just small ventures which worked and then it dried up and it was more work than we wanted and, and stuff like that. We've done small like conversions on trailers and stuff that we flipped and stuff, you know, and so I've trialed a lot of things and, and, and have lost money, but I'll never make the same mistake again. So I like the fact that I've gone through it because I know now I'll never make that same mistake again. Well, you sort of, so all I was going to say on that point was it's almost like you could say, yeah, if you lost money, but you've gained an experience. And so almost you paid for that to get that experience in a way. So actually it's not, it's not money lost. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest with you, my, my, um, my outlook is money always comes back anyway. You know, if you carry on working, you carry on working hard, money will come back anyway. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, it was the end of the world for me. It was a, it was a big kick in the teeth. You know, it was hard to get over for the first few nights, but after that, it was, it is what it is. You know, I can't change it. Um, I think, you know, I think when you go through, as long as, as, as soppy as it is, as long as the family's healthy, I'm healthy. Um, I, I really couldn't give two monkeys. Um, so no, that, that's really it um, at the end of the day. We don't, we don't do what we do for any, any other reason. Well, I certainly don't do, you know, I don't do what I do because, um, you know, if I didn't have a reason to be doing it, I wouldn't probably be doing it. So yeah, that's what it comes down to. It's times like these we were talking off air, isn't it? The times like these that you actually are reminded about what the important things are in, in your life in general yeah. and you can realign your work um, to that. But one, one thing you've obviously, you've mentioned a little bit in terms of losing uh, when it comes to investment. And I'm, I'm really keen to, to talk to you a little bit about, about more your investment side, because I think when people say investing nowadays, because there is so many options, you know, it is, as I said before, I get the, uh, the uh, emails twice a day and about 17 messages on Instagram about joining Forex training programs. You've got yeah. you know, your old style stocks and shares, you've got commodities, gold, silver, whatever, you've got property. Um, so I think people get a bit confused when people say, you know, I'm an investor, you know, you know, people get what think about well, what, what do you invest in? And even within those categories, there's multiple subcategories. So when, when talk, let's talk about kind of you getting into the world we invest in and then what kind of spurred your interest in that and then what you sort of started investing in and, and um, what flared your interest really? So what flared my interest? So one of the biggest turning points was um, in about... 2000 and uh, 2000 it was probably about 2000 
coming up probably early 2017, end of 2016, start of 2017, right about then, right? I was, we were looking at a land site, which we weren't going to be involved in, but we were going to be raising the, uh, basically the equity on it. Um, we knew the landowner, we were local to the landowner, and it had big off plans, and we knew a developer in London who could take on such a site. So we just we just met the two. They were going to bring some of their own funds, but what we wanted to do is to put, instead of just putting ourselves in a position of um, a sorcerer as such, it wasn't strong enough. We, Without going into the detail, we, we played that we had a really secure um, agreement with the site. We did, but we didn't have a, we didn't have it in contract. So we needed to feel that we had something else that we were bringing to the table. So we thought, well, let's bring either the senior or the junior debt. I was still learning it at this time, but I did know about it this time because again, I just spent every day learning about it. So, um, so we needed to bring something else to the table for this site for us not to get bumped off essentially. So we thought, well, if we bring the site, this kind of overview that we've secured the agreement of the site, if we can bring the equity as well, either senior or junior, uh, which ended up being the senior, then we put ourselves in a really good position that if the deal gets signed off, you know, we can be built into this quite, quite healthy. So that's what we did. And in order to do that, we went into London and we met with several private banks and there was one meeting that was def sort of defining for me because I essentially hosted the meeting at their offices and we put together uh, a PowerPoint and stuff like this. And, and there was a, there was a boardroom of, of directors in there and the developers and so forth. And, you know, I was still young at the time. So, you know, sort of three years younger than, than what I am now, three or four. And we put together this presentation and it just went amazing. It just went really well. And while I was going through it, I just knew about talking about the numbers, the raising of the, the money, um, getting really good feedback there and then from the directors. There was just something that I thought, do you know, there's a lot of risk in development. We've, we've been involved in some smaller stuff. You know, then we did a couple of, we were involved in project managing like HMO, there's two HMO refurbs. It was a lot of work. And, you know, at the time, um, we were still doing our own sort of stuff with employment, my, my wife's business and stuff like that. And we had a lot, you know, like my son was younger, but a lot going on and it was a lot of legwork, you know, a lot being there doing this. And, um, and the roles weren't evenly split to who I was working with at the time. So I just thought I like doing the numbers. And I think it was at that point I thought, actually, I like talking about equity. I like talking about investments. And then basically from there, I just, I very much went on my own into heading into London. I went to certain events. I went to all the typical events. I still went to the Mayfair pin, uh, sorry, Blackfriars. I did all of that. But from going into London time and time and time again and thinking I was wasting my time, I ended up meeting the right people because although I couldn't be bothered to be there in all honesty in the beginning because I thought I was wasting my time, I was wasting money on the train. I was just putting in time. I was, you know, I was ringing my wife going, nothing's happened, stuff like this. And when I met with certain people, I always went in with the enthusiasm. Even if I couldn't be bothered, I still had to show it. And that's why, that's why I talk about the likability factor is because then I was noticed and I was approached um, by several individuals. I got up and spoke in front of 175 people. Wow. I thought, give it a go. Um, 
uh, told them what I was about, what I was doing, uh, where I wanted to go. And then lo and behold, after the event, I was approached by certain individuals that said, come and meet us again. If you're in the area, come and meet us. Of course, I went and met them. And then from there, um, I was then able to be introduced to certain individuals. And that's where it really paid off because I still had the enthusiasm, even though I couldn't be bothered. When I was approached by these individuals and I was invited, that's when I met the first office. That's when I met a genuine investor. An investor in my eyes is, is someone who is actively investing not just in one area, but who is who is financially literate, you know, who is who is making smart decisions and is actually doing it. And I was managed, you know, I managed to meet quite successful individuals. I learned from them, you know, I'd come back and then I'd organize a follow-up three weeks later where, you know, they'd show me a site or they'd show me something they purchased. And then it just snowballed to people that they introduced me to. Because I'd ask, I'd say, oh, do you know someone in it? Because I'm looking to do this. Um, and I never made out like I knew it all or I never made out that I'd, I'd been there and I'd done it. So there was none of that ego there and they could see that there was none of that there and they were more than welcome to tell me and introduce me to people. And it just, it just paid, that's why it's, it's all about relationships. So it was very really much slowly, slowly catch a monkey, but I got there in the end basically with who I needed to be around and, and, and to learn what I've learned today. So it did take time though. Stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's, it does. It, it sounds like a lot of work, and I think people listening there. There are a lot of people out there. I think that think that property, in particular, um, it's sold as as the easy way of making money. When we know it definitely, definitely isn't. Um, otherwise, everyone would be doing it. But from you know, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier on about the person that you were talking about, who you know been is is a multimillionaire now, started from nothing. You know wasn't an overnight success it, it takes time so but it, the way I see it is it every single one of those those visits into London every single one of those meetings you know that you were tired and maybe you didn't want to go to you know they were all worthwhile because it's that compounding effect isn't it of just being there time and time and time and time again um, and I have to convince uh, convince the guy that runs my company quite regularly to allow me to go to a lot of these meetings because he wants to see the quick buck you know, he wants to see that there's money coming in for me, taking maybe some time out of the office to go and go to these meetings. But I know that I don't make money on the first, second, third, fourth of these meetings you go to. It's the 10th, 11th, 12th, maybe even further into the future, isn't it? And so, you know, I think yeah. for people that are listening to this that are, you know, stressed out by that proposition, um, you know, I think it's just about making that commitment and going, look, I'm not going to make 100 million pounds tomorrow, um, but I might in 10 years time. And would I rather put 10 years of work in to make a silly amount of money in that period of time? Um, or yeah. would I just prefer to carry on as I am now for the rest of my life? So that's, yeah, so that again, and that's, so it is a numbers game. So I totally believe that you've got a stockpile in what you're doing in order to get a few that work. It, it is, it's so, um, it so is a numbers game. And, and that's what I found was the effort was a lot to do it and that's why I say the legwork is there and it's like I'm going to include in my ebook um, one thing I put is I put a big disclaimer in there saying that all, all I'm going to do is offer 23 ways in which I have successfully found um, high net worth investors the disclaimer is the legwork is on you the legwork on you and I put in there you must have the likability. You must be willing to learn, you, you know, uh, the legwork, the effort, um, 
this, you know, I, all I'm doing is I'm providing sources which you're probably not looking at to where you can actually go and find them. And, and I'm, I'm pretty damn sure that these 23 ways you might, someone might, might possibly have used three of them, but the others they're going to go, never knew that. Well, I haven't thought of that. Well, I never would have done that. Oh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But if you do them, that's why, you know, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to pull in some of these guys that are coming in the next three, four, five weeks is because luckily I've made connections that I can actually say, you know, I've got a bit of a standing with some people that I can ring and say, look, I'm looking for someone who's of a net worth of 20 million plus. Do you know anyone that would be willing to have a chat with me? And luckily I know them well enough where they can go, actually, yeah, we'll make a call for you um, because I've explained what I'm trying to do. So put me in a good position in regards to bringing good people in on the networking calls um that's paid off quite well um but it's also paid off well in the fact that if i'm looking for new ventures or what i do so i try and follow the system of like a family office so a family office invests in multiple areas now don't get me wrong a family office is here in regards to you know what they invest in and the capital that they have you know one family office that that I work with recently sold up a, um, a tech company, which was for, for 40 million. They've got, they haven't got 40 million in the bank anymore because they've spent a lot of it, but 40 million, you know, and it's nothing. It's, it's so small to them. And so they, they, they're so uh, cash rich. They can just invest in so many avenues that, that create further generational wealth. I like that idea. I'm in no rush for, a 12 month turnaround of, of big money. You know, I quite enjoy watching things grow in a realistic way and in a lower risk way. Um, that's the way that I prefer it because I know that one, I'm really reducing my risk Two, I really understand it now. And also, you know, when I started a lot of the stuff that I was investing in was sort of 15 to 24 month terms. So, you know, you have to test it and have to trial it to see it come back in those 15, 24 months. And when it does, you go, that was a really good return. It was better than property. And I'll, I'll let you go on to the next question. But just to start, I'm not a huge, I wouldn't say anymore, I'm a huge fan of property. Like, you know, we, we talk about property and I bring property people on the calls. But there are a lot of ways to earn really good returns other than property. And, and property, you know, I've dealt with property and been involved with with our tenants and stuff like that and to be honest for me it's just a nuisance it's, it's it's a pain and at the moment for where our family's going i'm not interested in in property at the moment it it doesn't it's um it's not something that i'll actually actively invest in at the moment well, there's a there couple of things in. there's a couple of things you picked up on there that i think are really interesting and that's the first first and foremost the sort of the um talking about these family offices and as you say they sell one thing 40 million and then it's out the door because they've then got the ammunition to go and invest elsewhere and grow it and i think people yeah. get a bit uh, stressed out by seeing these kind of things taking place and going oh you know i, I wish i could do something similar um but money makes money and people say you don't need money to make money and i think that's absolutely true especially in the modern age with e-commerce and and whatnot you can you can you can start a business in a day essentially and probably start making money within two but to to become the in that ultra wealthy category you know money makes money and it's a little bit like i saw somebody uh, put a little infographic on uh, instagram recently which which uh, uh, highlighted 
uh, Warren Buffett, Buffett's wealth from sort of 19 years of age to now. And it really skirts along the bottom for a long, long period of time. And then suddenly it just goes up. And he obviously hit that tipping point where the money that he was reinvesting was compounding and compounding and just suddenly it just went through the roof. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that just shows that actually to be, if, you, if your goal is to be of a serious level of wealth, then you you need to, you know, and, unless, unless you come up with, you know, the, ne the next iPhone, um, which, nobody's looking to be doing at the moment um it's you, you do have to have that patience and it takes a little bit of time and as you say long-term low-risk strategies are, are what most people are probably going to end up making making their money in but you have to have the commitment and the patience to do that yeah. that's the thing and it can go two ways so let me just note down something i just want to mention is um it can go two ways in my eyes so there's a lot of things out there that promote you know, uh, stick in two, 300 quid into a training or, or, you know, start on, let's use Forex. Jason Greystone is very successful in Forex. Now I've spoken to Jason many a time about other things and, and whatnot, but I have asked him the question, let me try and get my head around this whole Lamborghini image on Instagram. You know, how, how is it, you know, because it's something I don't, I don't know about. I understand it. I get the concept. I know how it works. But I don't, you know, the ins and outs of the drawdown of funds, you know, how quick you turn around, how you develop a larger account, what you, I don't, you know, I don't dive into all of that. But Jason Greystone has made a very successful life out of it and he's able to invest in other things. Um, you know, but he, he explains it that it's a percentage over the year. So he's got to a stage now where he's consistent and regular enough and successful enough that he may turn over 40% a year of his returns, you know? So he's got to that stage. He said, but it doesn't start like that. He said, it's not a case of, you know, you put in 200 pound and you turn the account into like 10 grand overnight. It doesn't happen like that. He said, you end up having to get funded. So you need an investor. If you haven't got capital, you know, and you start out with a thousand pound account of your own money, you're not going to be able to grow that quick enough to turn this Lamborghini lifestyle. You need to prove he's, this is the way he explained it to me. He said, you need to prove that over two, three years, you consistently on that thousand pounds return 15% say every year. Once you've got the proof that you've turned over 15% for three years, you could then go to an investor and say, it was only a thousand pound account, but it makes no difference to the amount that was in my account. Every year I've turned over 15%. So if you give me 200,000 pounds as an investment, I will give you seven and a half percent and I will take seven and a half percent a year. So forth, so forth. So you have to prove that the model works. So it's very similar to what, what I do. Luckily, I'm now in a position where my investments compound three, four times a year. My big bulk, our, our biggest allocation, we've rolled over. But it didn't start like that. It was slow. It was, I had to be patient, you know. I'd be sitting there some nights going, God, I really hope this works and stuff like that and, and making phone calls to make sure I've done the right thing. But it takes time to compound. And like you just said about the Warren Buffett thing, that's a realistic way to go. I haven't got the next iPhone idea. I'm not a Forex trader, but I understand compounding. And luckily where I started investing bigger bulks of capital um, years ago, I'm now in a position where it comes back regularly each year capital and interest and i'm able to recycle those amounts and interest each year so now i've got this rolling effect that happens every year every year every year and luckily although i would have wanted to start maybe in my late teens i started very much in my early 20s well it was my 
just turning 20. But so it does take time, but it is a proven model. You, you can't deny that compounding is proven. The hardest part, I think, for most people is, is having to suck up that whole, yeah, but I'm going to have to wait in the beginning. Yeah, but I don't really want to wait. I'll, I'll, you know, my friend drives a Mercedes, you know, yeah, all right, he, you know, it's on finance, but, you know, I, I want a Mercedes and stuff like that. It's kind of putting that whole ego aside. It's like my wife says to anyone who ever asks about what we're doing or whoever asks, sometimes people question my wife. She'll say, we never drive around in money. We'll never drive around in money. We'll always move any decent amount of money into an allocation. Um, and that's the way it is because, you know, I've got an ego that I need to be driving around in a certain vehicle and neither is my wife and we're on the same page. So it helps to have someone on the same page. And, um, you know, I think you've heard me say it before. I know I say it almost on, on every call, but there's, there's one millionaire um, high net worth who we work with quite often. And he walks around and it's a bit of a joke. But he walks around in holes in his jeans, you know, trainers he's had for years and years. Um, but he's absolutely laughing because he never needs to work again in his life if he doesn't want to, you know, so you can't really take the pee out of what he's wearing because who cares what he's wearing? He's never yeah. going to work again. I, 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 I'm such a, I couldn't, I can't agree with you more on that. And, um, you know, I, I get, I get told off quite regularly, um, by people sort of saying, Oh, you know, you, you're meant to be this, this broker, you know, you should, you should show that you have a bit of wealth behind you and knowledge of money, but you're sitting there at the moment, uh, doing this podcast in a Star Wars t-shirt, you know, I'm not even that big a fan of Star Wars, I just thought it was a cool, cool t-shirt, but, um, the, um, but you know, I, and I, I drive a Vox Astra. You know, it's because it's cheap and it's efficient. And I've got to drive from London to Birmingham uh, once yeah. a week uh, or twice a week, if you count it back and forth um, outside of lockdown. I need, I need a cheap, efficient car because I'd rather yeah. spend the money from that on something else. And I've got, we've got a friend who is currently looking to upgrade their car at the moment. And I would say that they live more that life that you kind of mentioned where they kind of need to show that wealth and, you know, They've already got a really lovely BMW, but they're looking to upgrade and spend four hundred extra pounds a month leasing a, a Mercedes. And look, I keep my mouth shut when it, when when we have these those conversations because you think, well, what's the point? It's up to you. If that makes you happy, that's absolutely fine. But there is in the back of my head, I'm thinking four hundred pounds a month. What could you be investing yeah, exactly. that in? You know, yeah, what could you be exactly. doing with that? That's going to be better than driving around a depreciating asset. Yeah, it's exactly, and, and it's keeping up with the Joneses, and I think that comes to your, your upbringing and. Look, I know people that, what's really funny, and I've, I've said it before, is that, look, I'm still on my own journey. I've, 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 you know, I've not made it in any way, shape or form. I'm still very much on my own journey. I'm not bothered about what other people are doing. I'm not bothered about what people think of my journey or whatever. I'm not bothered in the slightest. But what does make me laugh is that when I first started out and I had all these big ideas of what I wanted to do, and because, again, you know, I trialed and errored a lot of things that I dip my toe in and put money into and stuff like this, is that things that I've done well or things that I've done wrong, you know, if they've gone well, great, if they haven't. But in the beginning, it was, you know, for certainly people who were close to me, they were like, I don't really, don't really get that. And that's a typical thing, you know, things are changing very quickly in the older generation or perhaps those who are, uh, who don't really understand it's a typical thing I'm not the only one we all have those people but it does make me laugh because in the beginning I have got certain individuals that spring to mind still to this very day who were like it's not going to happen yeah okay all right Aaron okay Aaron okay and now they ask me all the time oh I've got some money what should I be doing oh, what should I you know or 
you know, I was thinking about doing, and I'll get phone calls, you know, I had a message the other day from someone who I hadn't spoken to in, I don't know, like seven years, maybe seven years, hadn't seen him. Uh, we weren't best of friends. It's borderline, we were friends anyway. And I had a message because he'd been on my Instagram recently and, and then I think he'd bumped into someone who knows me. And I got like seven messages. I never opened them, I just blocked him because again, it's back then, didn't really kind of want to hear anything that I had to say and, and stuff like that. And um, and I just thought, if I then re-engage in conversation, I'm not gaining anything from it. I'm only going back. Do you see, do you see what I mean? Mm. So I'm not, I'm not gaining anything from it. So I just cut the tie off. And I just, it's funny because we all have those people. And it's just funny how when things go well or when they start things happening and they see things come to life, they think, oh, maybe did I miss the boat or should I have listened or what? Could, and then they start question. And I think a lot of people then question their own journey. And a lot of the people that I hang around with or did you stay around with were a lot older than me. Um, they've always been, you know, 10 years older. And I think some of them look back and go, maybe I should have, maybe I should have done that. Or maybe I should have ventured into something. And I think a lot of people find a lot of bitterness in, in seeing other people do something that they set out to do and they do it. It's so we jealousy, all have those, isn't it? Yeah, we all have those people. I just think, don't worry about what I'm doing. You just focus on your own journey and, you know, and we and we're, and we're leave it at that. But we all have those people. But it is funny how things change like that. But that, that comes into the whole, don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses. I'm on my own journey. And one thing that I did like, I can't remember who said it. Um, I think it was Gary V actually. And I don't watch a lot of Gary V stuff, but it did. it is one thing that came across was... Um, he said when he was working in his wine store, and I know he had, his dad had a very successful business and everything like that, but when he was working in his wine store, people used to be like, why are you not coming out? Why are you not buying that new BM? Why are you not spending all the money coming out clubbing? And he said, because he was plotting, he was plotting and building this business that no one knew a thing about, that one day he was just going to explode and reveal all. And then he did it. Yeah, he had a good footing. Like I said, he was they were obviously very well off to begin with, mm. but... From what he says, he was very quiet and humble when he did it. I don't know, but that's what he claimed. I just like that idea of he was plotting, very quiet, and then one day he went, this is what I've done. Mm. So, yeah, give I, me two, let me just, Sam, two, let me just open this. Hang on two seconds. Hopefully the noise isn't too... No worries. Um, yeah, do you know, I was, I was, you mentioned about people coming and speaking to you and saying, you know, what are you investing in? So I'm going to be that annoying person now. And I'm going to say, so obviously you mentioned about, you mentioned about property kind of dropping off your radar a little bit because you saw other things that for you just, just resonated a little bit more in, in, in the interest in you. So I don't know whether to ask you about what you're doing now or whether what you did, what you did then, but maybe, maybe we'll talk about it now. So, so you mentioned multiple different types of investments. What are you investing in at the moment? So I invest into, uh, so, okay. So I do peer to peer, I do fixed, I do stocks, and I'll do certain private lending with individuals that I'm comfortable, that I know, that I've worked with before, or that have some form of a proven track record. But I, but I know them in in some way that I'm close to them. Or you know, so for example, we know a small builder um, who does his own refurbs. He does quick flips, turnarounds, stuff like that. So we lend to people like him on smaller amounts where. The trust is there so you know if he needed x amount to go and do a refurb you know he managed to purchase it but he was short on uh the refurb works or he was doing like an assisted sale because he's he's venturing into that 
then we'd be happy to go and look at it, um, make sure that it's, it's, it's right for us. And if it is, I know that he's proven that he can go, I just need it for six months. You can take a charge um, and I'll get you out, you know, and, and it might be, I don't know, it could be anywhere from seven, eight, nine percent. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so peer to peer, again, that's kind of peer to peer. It's not a syndicate because I'm involved in many more, um, but we do peer to peer on, on a certain platform where it's a proven, it's award winning and it has many models that we can go into. So we're not tied into one type of lending. There's, uh, there's one platform that we use, which we can enter on um, different entries on how we want to. So that's, that's term, how we want to lend it. Do we want to lend it against the one site or do we want to spread it against multiple assets? So, and then fixed investing, that's more the long-term compounding. So we'll put it out to a lot larger organization, a developer or, um, someone that's within sort of real estate trusts, a company like that, say, and that's anywhere from an 18 month to a 24 or a 36 month term. So that's, that's the biggest return. And that's the one that you've got to suck up in the beginning. So that's the one where someone could see a really good return, but they're going to have to get over that. I've just put out all this money, but yeah, I wanted to use that money to turn and make me a millionaire. That's the one where you kind of have to let it go and go, I have to see what comes back. And then when you see it come back, you go, blimey, that's made a really good return. I'll run it again. And then if you, if you were to divide that amount and maybe split that over three times the year, then the following year or the following year after that, you're going to see it come back three times. So that's, that's where that takes effect. Um, and we will do, yeah, in, in the stock market. So look, I'm no expert in the stock market. I don't hand pick anymore. Um, I got lucky on a few stocks. I got lucky with, with Amazon. Um, I did start off in buying stocks when I was about 19. And I think what sparked the whole buying stocks and the interest in stocks was I got lucky again. It was luck. It was no calculated uh, method that I used, but I bought into a mining company in America and I remember going on Hargreaves and Lansdowne at the time and I read all these reports, didn't really know too much, but I had started to educate myself and I thought, you know, everyone likes the look of stocks. I don't know about you, but if you ask most people, they like the look of it. It's just mm. not understanding it. Yeah. I didn't really understand it. I've but got I a lot of books on stocks sitting there collecting dust because I, I like the, you're right, I like the idea of it, but it's, it's <laughs> diversifying, yeah, diversifying away from my focus of what I need to be doing on the day to day. And thinking, you know, I, I need to put actual time and effort into that. That's that's the problem. It's something that's ongoing. I mean, like I put on the group that we're on, uh, I did the voice message about Benjamin Intelligent Investor, Benjamin Graham. It's mm. it's a great book, but probably a book I'll have to reread in maybe like three, four years. Because although I still pump into a stocks and shares account, and I pump into it quite heavily because, because of uh, tax benefits and everything like that. But... I prefer now to go down the route of a fully uh, managed fund rather than hand pick. I know a lot of people now, I think it's funny because I know many people, even, even, even friends of mine, but a lot of people now are trying to hand pick. My view on hand picking is that's great. Um, you can hand pick, you know, and, and buying a stock is always better than going and spending, you know, on new jeans and new trainers and stuff that you don't need. So buying a stock, you know, it's always a better financial decision than spending it on something uh, materialistic. But I don't handpick anymore. But in the beginning, I picked this mining company 
and I bought a load of shares and I thought, oh, this looks brilliant. The reports were great. They were going into this new mining area that they were going to, it was all eco and, and they were going to find all this stuff. I didn't really know all the jargon, to be honest with you. I just saw all these great reports and I thought, oh, it looks brilliant. Um, and they were going to be doing this mining in this few months time. So I went, oh, they're really cheap. I think they were like, at the time, they were maybe seven, eight pounds. I thought, what, what harm is like a couple of hundred quid going to be? So I bought yeah. all these stocks. And I remember ringing Hargreaves and Lansdowne. I didn't really know too much about it. I said, so how does this work? And they said, well, this is what they're planning to do. And how much are the fees? This is our fees. I was like, oh, okay, brilliant. Yeah. So anyway, so I bought, bought like 200 pounds worth of this mining stock. Anyway, it was in about two months time. that all shot up to about 52 pound. So I was like, what? I'm an expert. I was like, I'm an expert. <laughs> like, I have, you know, I was thinking I have a gift, <laughs> but you know, it, it was just luck. It was, there was, there was no planning behind it. You like to think that there was planning because then you can sort of be like, Oh, you know, it pulled off, but it wasn't anyway. So I remember ringing Hargreaves and Lansdowne and I was like, yeah, let's sell them. They've, you know, it's made it, I remember, I remember telling my parents and, and, uh, at the time my fiance uh, before she was my wife I remember being like I've got look at this and they were like wow you know how do you know that and I was like no idea um it just happened so I sold them and then I started so, so that got the real interest and then um it was only a few more years later that I bought then into Amazon um in end of 2014 beginning 2015 that is that period and again that was by a bit of a tip-off by reading that I think you have to, if you're going to go, if you're going to go into a big company, you have to be at the right time because there's no point spending a load on Amazon now. They've probably still got growth, but it's, but I do believe that when you invest into a company that say has a forecast of 10 billion and they're only at say, you know, three, four billion, but they've got a lot of growth. Amazon, although I still feel they're still going to really evolve and they've got a lot of things on the horizon, it won't jump up in huge amounts over years. It will, it will increase. I don't think it will slow down, but it's not going to make these huge jumps that it did within that period of 2015 to where we are now. So I wouldn't handpick anymore. I wouldn't say, you know, I remember when Airbnb went as an IPO. Well, the thing with an IPO is a lot of the big institutional investors have bought up a lot of the good price stock. So I wouldn't now handpick. So hence why I go down the, the route of just pumping into a fund. And I might, I might buy uh, a, a REIT every now and again, you know, the Real Estate uh, Investment Trust. I might buy those because they're consistent. And they're, the reason I put money into those is because keeping some of your uh, investment into liquid assets like a REIT, you know, we, we could draw down on them and stuff like that. Whereas with the fund, the, the fund that we pump into within the stocks and shares, that's long term. You know, I don't plan to use that until maybe I'm 40, 40 plus. So I would never use that to draw down. But say if we did need to uh, liquid up, then at least I've got something in an asset where I could go, right, I just need to sell all those. Or Amazon, if I had to, I wouldn't want to really do that. But I could I could go, I need to sell all of my Amazon, um, get me out. But So yeah, I like stocks and shares. I'm no expert. I have dibble dabbled. Um, I've got lucky a couple of times. And it's just, that's just an ongoing thing, mm. but I probably won't go back to hand picking. I'll well, probably just. You, you were mentioned earlier, the intelligent investor, the book, um, which ironically takes back to, to Warren Buffett because he cites that book as one of the big sort of 
uh, you know, eureka moments in his life. And there's, and I can't remember, because somebody called, and I can never remember his surname, but a guy called Elliot, who was a financial planner who worked in a similar department to me when I worked at Savills years ago. Um, he always said to me, he actually gave me his copy of The Intelligent Investor. I'm not sure if I was meant to give it back, but I still have it. Um, so if, Elliot, if you're listening, you can have it back, mate, if you want. Um, <laughs> but um, he just said, don't read the whole thing. Just read, uh, I think it's eight, uh, chapter eight and chapter 20. And effectively in there, it talks about just trackers, index trackers. Um, yeah. Because although, yes, you know, um, Warren Buffett's got, you know, he, he does, he has people that handpick stocks for him and have various different funds. And I'm sure he invests in real estate and all this kind of stuff as well. The fundamentals over that period of time is that he is consistently just put money into index trackers because over a period of time, I think sort of the, the U, most of the UK ones, and I don't know much about this, but they tend to, they although fluctuate over a period of time, averages out about 7%, which is pretty decent. The compounding effect of that over a 20, 30 year period is insane. If you're consistently reinvesting the dividends or yeah. reinvesting the income yeah. and adding to it. Um, and, and realistically, although I'm not a, although I am a, a class as a financial advisor for what I do, I'm not a, you know, IFA or anything. Yeah. You know, I, I have one of those accounts with Hardgroups Lansdown, <laughs> funnily enough, um, yeah. other, other providers are available. Um, but that comes back to what we said about the patients, you know, that's something I know that is going to be a legacy thing for me in, in many, many years to come, because I know yeah. that it will compound. I, I roughly know when that fund will probably get to a million quid um, because I've done, done the, a little bit of analysis and I've spoken to people at Hargreaves Lands. I'm very helpful people that, um, uh, that my sister-in-law's uh, her boyfriend works there actually, which is pretty helpful. Um, so yeah, he's helpful, but you know, I know because I get a little bit of detail that that's going to work, but that, like you say, it takes time and you've just got to be patient and, uh, and, and, and wait those sort of things out. Yeah. And you know, with, you can't go wrong with a fund if you're looking long term, you know, as long as it's a strong fund. Um, I, you know, that's why any market crashes, you know, don't really apply to, to me certainly because I don't look at it as, you know, all oh, there's been a big drop. I mean, my stocks and shares, I said, when COVID-19 happened, I went down to like 17%, you know, like a massive drop. The ones that are panicking are the ones, and I know I know the ones that are panicking because an investor that I work with who um, runs a really successful business, he turns over like 10 million a year, he's invested in all kinds of assets, but he also had a huge portion in the stock market. Now he's close to retirement. He was panicking and he were, I remember having the conversation and we were talking about what he's doing and, and, and the alternatives that he was going to look at. And he was having to sell up because the problem is, as many others who are looking to retire, when they take that much of a hit, it's gonna take a long time to recover that interest and what they've lost. So then the ones who are very business-minded and, and want to make as much as they can back, they then need to make a decision really quickly to draw out the market and what can they now go into that's gonna try and track back what they've lost. So that was one of the conversations we were having. And the ones who are closer to retirement, that's the ones that are gonna hit. So like with, with pensions, see again, I love pensions, you know, and I'm a bit of an old man when it comes to stuff like this because I like all the forecasting in it. But with pensions, I've got, you know, we spread it across sort of several pensions, but one pension that I think is really good is uh, a BlackRock pension, which is Life Path. And that's, you know, that, that one I like and I have because that's a automated managed pension that will put you in aggressively. Uh, so you, you would allocate, you would choose your retirement age. You then choose your retirement age and it would give you the 
it would give you the reference for this pension fund. You would then choose this pension fund and then it will put you in aggressively. It will put you into a different spread across the market, you know, FTSE or S&P 500, and it will be in different areas. And then what it will do is you come closer to retirement, it will start reducing you back into property bonds. Then it will drop you into government bonds. Then it will drop you into um, really, it would, yeah, I mean, I think it would just finish off in government bonds because then it's just really flat and plateaued. So you've gained this interest. It's been really nice and aggressive early on. But as you come close to that retirement age that you've chosen, it just drops you into this nice settling low end yield. So that way you haven't got to be thinking, you know, 20 years down the line, oh my God, I've got, you know, I've got, where's my paperwork for my pension? I've got, I've got, I remember I was in a, I was in a risky fund, you know, there's, there's a market drop on the way or that there looks like something's going to be rocky. I'm going to worry about that because it's all managed and it's all drip fed. And as long as you keep pumping into it, it'll be really healthy. But for me that I, I don't mind looking 10, 15 years into the future because um, it's a blueprint, it's proven. Um, it's very unlikely I'm going to come up with the next, you know, billion pound idea. But this way, I know it, I understand it. Um, I've mitigated my risk as much as possible in the areas we are involved in. And I also work with, you know, with all the clients that invest. A lot of the clients that they go, so my clients will then go into the clients that I work with. But they haven't got to go in feeling, you know, I've never done this before. Because I just go, I'm doing it. You want look at all my paperwork you you know you know not that i often have to do that but if there is someone who's completely skeptical and never done it before i can say look or i can give them case studies that you know i can't you you know we don't plaster case studies of of uh what we do over social media because that would be totally wrong diving into people's personal investments but when i do have someone new come in uh, the picture and they've never worked with me but they've come off a referral well the good thing is they've come off a referral so that person who's referred has already done it. So they would have already showed them what they're doing. When they come to me, if we can have a face-to-face -face meeting, that'll be the first thing. And then I'll say, look, this is what it is. We'll go through all the brochures. We'll go through all the term sheets. I'll say, this is what we do as a family. This is what we've been doing for years. This is the proven. This is what we started with. This is what we have now. This is what we're forecasting. And then once you go through that, they go, yeah, I'll dip my toe in. And then they compound, they wait. Oh, it works. And then, you know, then they refer and so forth and so forth. So... Yeah, we kind of went off there. I mean, where where we were, we went from stocks <laughs> to there. <laughs> no, no, I, I love it because actually, one thing I was gonna gonna ask you, which you're kind of going into a little bit, is you know, what does the rest of this year and maybe next year look like for you in terms of you know how you're gonna maybe and I hate using the word because everyone's using it pivot maybe or are you not pivoting and you're just carrying on as you were previously, um, and or is there anything new that you're actually looking to, to maybe try over the next six, nine, 12 months? So, um, I mean, the thing is, we've, it's, it's funny because when the lockdown happened, so we were closing off um, a few investors just before lockdown and I knew it was going to happen and I anticipated it to happen was um, we had investors just go, well, handbrake on. They were like, we, we're going to, away and I knew that was going to happen so in the beginning it was it was a little bit frustrating uh, because there was a lot of handbrakes that were put on however I also knew that touching base maybe four or five weeks into the lockdown the construction industry still has to roll you know we still have to meet a demand of like 300,000 homes not that we will meet that but there's still the demand so it's still ticking over building sites have still 
been going on. You know, they've had a lot of backing from the government. Um, so they're still going on. So that's where a lot of my clients will sit is within uh, multi-asset uh, construction sites. So I knew eventually it would pick up. So I didn't really, I wasn't really concerned about that. And to be honest with you, it's only got busier now. So we've had not only the ones who were handbrakes on, they're all back in touch. We've now completed um, several of those uh, applications that have all gone through. And now the referrals again have started to pick up. So the ones who were a little bit hesitant, we were hesitant. So we were meant to be doing another investment. Uh, we put our, our own handbrakes on to an investor, uh, sorry, to a developer that we worked with before. We just said, look, it's not the right time. Hope you understand. They were like, fine. Um, whereas now that we've picked up, um, we're certainly going to be looking at the beginning of next month, having another discussion of going back in now that things are picking up because it's all, it's okay. It's picked up for what we do as a business in regards to the bigger asset class, because we're talking about bigger, bigger organizations who have got deeper pockets, deeper roots. That's fine. But when we're talking about a smaller, uh, medium sized company, who's only doing a few units here and there, well, that's a little, and, and they're only one Avenue. So if it went wrong, it's only that site that you can take charge of. And then you've got the legal with that. Whereas with my, my bigger guys, because they're a multi-asset allocation of uh, assets, if one went wrong, they can draw down on another. If that went wrong, they could sell another site. If that went wrong, they could sell certain units. And if it all went wrong, they'd sell all the company assets. And the company assets are, are huge. So that's why for what we do um, as, as a business, that hasn't slowed down. But for our own personal um, investment choice into, like I was saying earlier, into smaller guys, um, we're now going to be looking again probably in the next two weeks at possibly issuing out some funds to those who have got a really good site, but it'd have to be a good site because not everything's selling. Um, so yeah, so it, it it's, it's only getting busier. It's just for us as a family, we'll be more weary on who we lend out to because it's a, it's a, it's a smaller amount to a smaller company, you know, so yeah. we'll think more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I completely get that. And I'm certainly getting busier as well, which is always a good, good sign of things. And the media might tell us otherwise, but, but things I think are, are certainly, certainly picking up. But, um, do you know what, Aaron, this is, and this, this happens every single time that I do one of these podcasts that I just think I could carry on talking to you uh, and all the other people that I have on my podcast for hours yeah, and hours. Um, but I'm very wary of your time. <laughs> um, so um, look, I just want to say a massive thanks for coming on today, Aaron. Um, everything you, you, you've given, given us there has been incredibly valuable. Um, and I love the fact that this podcast has taken a bit of a different turn to some of the other episodes that I've done. Um, so certainly, certainly a, um, a load of value that I think you've been able to give a lot of people. But um, obviously, we've only really tapped the, uh, the the top of the iceberg. So if people want to sort of get in touch with you or find out a little bit more about what you do or even maybe organise time to have a chat with you, what's, what's the best way of following you online or, or getting in touch? Well, we were going to touch on all the accountability group, weren't we, and all the calls. But what yeah. I would say is um, if anyone wants to get in touch, I mean, the, uh, jump on the calls um, or just, yeah, just by, by social media, I try and reply to every, absolutely everyone. Um, yeah, or, or, or join the calls. The calls is probably a good way to, there's a little bit about me and then, what, what you know, how it goes on. And then that's a good way to. Yeah, and the, the these are the there, these but... are the Friday Friday afternoon calls that you're doing with. I mean, you've had some incredible guests. You've had I know you mentioned Mark Wright, Tej Singh. Um, who else have you have you had on so far as well? Remind me. Yeah, Jason Jason Greystone. So um, 
yeah, uh, Jive Property, we're obviously good. We've had just we're bringing. I'm, I'm bringing in those who you know not necessarily have got the biggest followers, but the ones that we're going to get the most value. And I don't want each week to be the same. So it's uh, obviously Chris Taylor's part two this week, which will mm -hmm. be really good. We're going to dive into something completely different. Um, so yeah, but some of the guests that are coming on, um, I don't ever, I don't want to release their names because I believe in jinxing things. But yeah, yeah so it's only, yeah, it's only going to get better. And and as we get bigger guests on, the bigger guys that I want to get on, you know, they're they're obviously going to go, okay, well they've had them on, you know, we're we're going to get someone else, you know, we'll jump on the call. So yeah, yeah. I've got big big things for it. So but yeah, social media. Yeah, well, what I know that you you sort of publicise this through your stories on Instagram. So what I'll do is I'll definitely make sure in the show notes all of your all of your sort of social media um, links are in there. But specifically for those listening that want to jump on those calls on a Friday afternoon, go and follow Aaron on um, on Instagram because on his stories throughout the week, not only do you I love the way that you kind of tease people with the announcements of who you're having on, which I think is really yeah. awesome. Maybe I should learn from that with my guests a little bit more. I'm just like I'm so excited. I've got so and so on my show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, here he is. Um, um, but, but also you obviously post those links throughout the week so people can jump on um, and, and, uh, and I mean you make it as easy as a lot of the time just sending you their email address on uh, in reply to a story which yeah, I think, just is, which I think yeah. is fantastic it makes it really easy for people so um, so that's great so we'll make sure that um, that people can get in touch with you that way but um, look before I let you go there is one question that I ask every single podcast uh, guest before they leave because it's something very very dear to my heart um, and I'm always interested now the thing is I'm not well, I'm a bit worried about what you're going to say because you're quite I've seen a few pictures of you recently you're looking pretty buff you're obviously a fit guy um, I've, re <laughs> I've realised during uh, lockdown that I'm a massive chocoholic so I'm always interested to find uh, find out what the, uh, the favourite chocolate of my guests are um, so is there anything that springs to mind have you got a particular passion um, uh, I do like I do like a whisper um I'm partial to Whisper, but then I'm partial to a Turkish Delight. Oh, no I way. Do like Turkish, yeah, I like <laughs> Turkish Delight. Lion Bar. I mean, if no, do you know, if I had to say my favourite chocolate, it would be um, a cream egg. Oh, yes. Oh, cream egg. That, that would be, that would be my favourite. And then, um, but gin, I'm a massive, see, if I'd swap chocolate any day for gin, I love really? gin. There's yeah, a... I mean, anyone would think I'm an alcoholic, but... I, I I'm a bit I'm a big gin gin lover as well to be quite honest with you. There's um and yeah. unfortunately I've I've just moved to to Solihull um just outside of Birmingham and in a town nearby um there was well, actually it is in it is in Solihull um there was a fantastic little gin bar that's just closed down which I'm really uh really upset about Dump, because they had, they had some great great um great options for gin. But I'm glad you said cream egg though. It's one of my life ambitions to create a an Easter egg size um. Cadbury's cream egg, which I'm sure isn't available because of the uh, potential health risks that would come of that uh, consuming a cream egg of that size. But I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page there. Cool. Well, look, Aaron, absolute pleasure, um, and um, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get you back at some point in the future to to maybe talk a few a bit more about some in-depth investments and, and things like that. But um, yeah, for now, thanks ever so no much worries. for coming on. It's been a it's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Pleasure. Today. No, really, thanks for having me, Sam. Really enjoyed it. So. And we'll, well, I'll see you Friday if I don't speak to you before. I'm sure I'll speak to you on the group. You definitely will. Well, there you have it. Another one bites the dust, as they say. But let me ask you a quick question. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, 
please do subscribe to the podcast as well as rating and reviewing it. This really does help me get my podcast out to more people and I'll be eternally grateful. As well as this, are you in property and wondering what to do at the moment? Well, if that's the case, I've set up a fantastic new Facebook group called Social Media for Property Investors. Check out the link in the show notes below and join us where we will discuss all the things that you need to know to smash it on social media. See you later.